for that amazing grace. Amen. I don't know about you. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And it's only because of God's amazing grace that I can even stand here tonight and bring forth the gospel. And it's because of his grace that you're here tonight even to receive. Tonight we're going to continue with our spiritual discipline series and our pursuit of godliness as directed uh, from Paul to Timothy. When he said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And how many of you are willing to pursue godliness as a way of life? Amen. We can't do it without God, and I, we certainly can't do it without prayer. That's what we're going to be looking at. But as always, before I bring forth the word, one more time, we're going to ask God to uh, anoint me and anoint you. We know he's already here, but now we just want to welcome him in and allow him to go further. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace, because without it, Father God, we'd be lost. Without it, we would still be struggling, Father God, in darkness. But I thank you because of that grace, you brought us out of darkness and into your glorious light. Once we were standing on sinking sand, but because of your grace, we are standing on the rock eternal. And Father God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this house tonight. One that guides us and leads us into all truth. And we're praying that you would do that once again this evening. That you would anoint my words, my mind, and my body, Father God, to bring forth the word, to be able to speak it with clarity. We come against any hindrance, any distraction that the, the difficulties and the trials of this week, Father, might, might try to just disrupt uh, our ability to receive. But I pray that you would give your people ears to hear and hearts to listen. And that above everything tonight, that you would be glorified with the delivery of your word and the reception of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I know that we have been on this uh, series now for a few weeks. We're going to continue even farther on this series over the coming weeks. As long as the Holy Spirit keeps me here, it's what I'm going to do. And uh, the reason that I'm doing that, and I feel so strongly about just continuing to uh, go in this direction about spiritual discipline, I believe with all of my heart as God's people, we need to be ready for God's return. I think we need to be ready, we need to be equipped, we need to be prepared for that moment, for that twinkling of the eye that the, the Bible talks about when the clouds will roll back, when the uh, trumpet shall blast and when the Lord himself will descend with a shout and call his people home. And I believe that it is only those who are disciplined shall see the coming of the Lord. I believe that it is only those who have disciplined themselves, those that are alert, those that are watchful, that w will be prepared for that moment when the clouds do roll back. Because you know as well as I do, if you know the Word of God, there will be some that will just be living life. They'll be sowing wild oats. They'll just be enjoying life, and they will miss the absolute coming of the Lord. But those that are disciplined, those that are prepared... They will see the coming of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I believe, or maybe even it was last week, that I, I shared a passage of Scripture that says that we are to be fit and ready. And I believe with all of my heart that not only are we to be fit and ready for ministry, not only are we to be fit and ready to do the will of God in our lives, to, to, to fulfill His purpose in our lives, but we need to be fit and ready more than anything for the coming of the Lord. 
We need to be ready for his appearance. We need to be ready for his coming. And that's why I'm spending so much time on this, because I believe spiritual discipline in our lives will do just that. A couple Sundays ago, pastor spoke to us about the ten virgins. Spoke to us about uh, five who, who were ready and five who weren't ready. Spoke to us about five who were foolish and five who were wise. Five who were disciplined, I would say. Those who were prepared and five who were not. In that story, you find that there were five who saw the coming of the bridegroom and were welcomed in and sat at that banqueting table and were part of that royal marriage. And there were five who remained in darkness simply, simply because they were not prepared, simply because they weren't disciplined enough to do what they had to do to be ready for the coming of the groom. And that's why I am spending so much time on this, because I believe, church, with all of my heart, that the coming of the Lord is near. I believe with all of my heart that He is coming soon, and He's coming very soon. I believe before I finish this message that we could hear the trumpet of the Lord and we could be called home. And if it's not today, it might be tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, it might be next month, next week, next year. But we've got to be ready for the coming of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Hebrew chapter 12, verse 14, that without godliness, without holiness, without righteousness, no man shall see the Lord. I don't know about you, church, but I want to be prepared and I want to be ready. And so while I've been trying to put together this series for you, I first applied it to my own life. I have first prepared Jeff Merriman for the coming of the Lord, and I want to continue to do that through spiritual discipline. So the question is, how many of you want to see the Lord? How many of you want to be ready for his return? Amen. That's why I'm spending so much time on this. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at God's expectation. For those of you who haven't been with us, we're now in the spiritual discipline of prayer. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at God's expectation for us to pray, His expectation for us to be devoted to prayer, and to pray without ceasing. We also discovered that not only is prayer an expectation God has of us, it is also an invitation He makes to us. I want you to remember the call to prayer is so much more than an empty obligation that we've got to fit into our busy schedule. It is a royal invitation into the presence of the Lord. It's a royal invitation into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the, the giver of life. That's what I preached on last week. It's an invitation, and I'm going to expand on this a little bit before I even go any further. It is an invitation, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, into the throne room of grace so that we might find help in our time of need. And I really want you to understand exactly what this passage is saying. I know I closed on it last week and I talked all about because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has now made a a royal invitation for us to come into his presence. But even more than that, here's what I want you to understand. God has invited us to come into his presence so that we might freely receive that which we do not deserve. 
You see, what you and I need to understand, Hebrews 4.16 is an invitation into the throne room of unmerited favor. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor and goodness and blessing and mercy of God into our lives. So what you need to understand, when God calls us to pray, He is inviting us into that throne room of grace where we might receive the very thing we don't deserve. You need to understand, we often forget that there are things that we don't deserve. We do not deserve. We might not like to hear it. We may not like to to receive it uh, or even believe it, but you and I don't deserve God's mercy. You and I don't deserve God's grace. You and I, as much as we need it, don't deserve the help God is offering us when we come into His throne room of grace. The reality is, you You and I deserve death. The reality is you and I deserve the judgment of God and the punishment of God and the wrath of God. But like I talked about last week, because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice he made and the price that he paid, now you and I who are undeserving have been invited into the throne room of grace so that we might find the very uh, find the very thing that we don't deserve. How many of you are willing to look at your life tonight and say, God, there's some things I need. I might not deserve it, but I thank you that you are offering it to me anyway. And what you and I need to understand about prayer and this throne room of grace is it's the very place that God invites those who don't deserve it to come. And so I hope that you grasp that when I talk about prayer, when you go to the prayer closet, when you call out to God in prayer, when you get alone with God and you close that bedroom door, you just find wherever it could be in your car, wherever it is that you decide to call on God, we should always be mindful that we don't deserve what we're asking for, but because of God's infinite mercy and God's infinite grace and God's infinite love that he demonstrated towards us and while we were yet sinners, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, so that we might find help in our time of need. So this is what I want you to understand before I go on. Prayer is an expectation and prayer is a royal invitation, but prayer is also a place of preparation. It, 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 it prepares us for battle. And I don't know about you, but I understand and I realize that we are, or at least I'm in a battle. I'm in a battle each and every day of my life for uh, sanity. I'm in a battle every day of my life for health. I'm in a battle every day of my life for the blessings of God and the anointing of God. I'm in a battle every day for the the, the salvation of my soul. And you are well. Uh, You are as well. Every single day, there's a battle that is waging in our life. And prayer is a place that prepares us for this battle, this spiritual battle, that every one of us, whether we want to be in it or not, are going to be in it. You you may say, well, I don't want to be in the battle, but the reality is you're in the battle whether you like it or not. Because whether you like it or not, there is a battle that is waging today. There is a battle between the kingdom of uh, the, the, the 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 kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light that is a waging war over the souls of every individual on the face of this earth. There is a battle that is waging right now for my soul and your soul, for your spouse's soul and your kid's soul and your friend's soul and your family's soul. And 
and you're burst. There is a war that is waging right now. You can't see it because it's taking place in a spiritual realm. It's taking place in a place where you can't see. It's exactly why the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Because you're not, fight, you're not fighting a physical war. You and I are fighting a spiritual war. And the only way that we're ever going to gain victory and access to the weapons that we need and the power we need is through this spiritual discipline called prayer. And this is why Paul and God encourages us to prayer. It puts us, prayer puts us into a position of power. You need to understand that every time you bow your head, every time you bend your knee, every time you look up unto the hills from whence cometh your help, you are putting yourself into a position of power. You are connecting to the power of heaven, which you would have no access to unless you came to a place of prayer. You see, you can go through your whole life without praying. And if you do, you'll never connect to the power of heaven. You'll never connect to the power that God has for you. You will never connect to the the supernatural power that God has for every single one of his sons and daughters. Prayer puts you in a position of power. If you're not praying, guess what? You're weak. If you're not praying, guess what? You're not going to win the battle. I'll talk about it as we go along. If you want to find power in your life, you need to find a place of prayer. The number one reason that the God's people are overcome, the number one reason we fall, the number one reason we faint, the number one reason we are given to temptation, the number one reason that we just flounder in our faith is because... Because we, as the sons and daughters of God, don't put ourselves in a position of prayer that we can receive the power of God in our life. You need to understand that when you sense this, this war raging around you, the first thing you got to do is put yourself into a position of prayer. So that the power of heaven can come down and rescue you and give you help in your very time of need. You see, what you and I need to understand, the number one spiritual discipline that will give you victory in your life and allow you to experience power is prayer. It's prayer. I know a lot of us might not like to hear that. And it seems a little bit quiet tonight. It seems a little bit quiet tonight, but but listen to me. What you and I need to understand is that this is the number one discipline that we have trouble with. It's the number one discipline that we like to excuse not performing in our life. It's the number one discipline that we try to make excuses for and try to justify why we are not doing it. But I told you last week that that too many kids and too many responsibilities and too little time and too little practice and too little know-how as in regards to praying does not alleviate or or take away the responsibility we have to pray we've got to pray whether whether it's easy or whether it's hard whether we understand it or whether we don't but here's what i want you to understand there is a spiritual war that is taking place right now that is battling for your soul and my soul and the souls of everyone on the face of this earth and the only thing that can sway the outcome of that war is the spiritual discipline of prayer I'll give you some scripture as we go along, but you need to understand that prayer is the thing that allows the power of God to come into your life to sway the outcome of the battle that you are waging. If you leave prayer aside, you're going to lose the battle. If you leave prayer aside, 
Listen to me. You have already determined the outcome of the war that is waging in your life. If you think you can do without prayer, what you're, you have already determined the outcome of the battle that is waging in your life. Because no matter who you are, no matter how rich you are, poor you are, no matter whether you're a man or a woman, young or old, every single one of us need the spiritual discipline of prayer in our lives. It's a spiritual discipline that, that uh, connects us to the power of God in our lives. And without it, church, we will be lost on the battlefield. Uh, as I was putting this together, I couldn't help but think about, uh, I like certain war movies. And every time you watch a particular war movie, when they're out on the battlefield, there's always this little dude that's, and I don't know what they call him because I haven't been in the military, but there's that guy that runs around with the radio on the, on his on his back that anytime they're in a situation he either winds that thing up or whatever he does he winds it up and he calls headquarters to make connection with the commander of that army so he can get direction and and uh, uh, strategic plans to be able to overcome uh, the battle that they're facing and the reality is if you and I don't don't take uh, make use of that access that we have with God. If you and I don't call on God like this soldier that's in the army and call on the commander, we're going to be lost on the battlefield. We're going to be floundering trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? How am I going to win this fight? So prayer connects us to the power of heaven. Remember, James 5.15 says that the effectual and fervent prayer of the righteous man accomplishes much. It accomplishes much. Every time I read that, I wonder, well, how much does it really accomplish? James doesn't go into detail in this particular passage in regards to what prayer accomplishes or how much it actually accomplishes. But the reality is, as I study the Word of God and I look at the Word of God, prayer accomplishes three things. The first thing, before I even get to it, Ephesians 3.20 tells us, That God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we can even ask or think that he is capable of doing. So what I want you to understand is that through prayer, God can do more than you ask him to do. Through prayer, God can do more than you even think that he's capable of doing. What that means is when you go to prayer, when you find yourself in this place of prayer and position of power, and you begin to call on God, and you begin to cry out, and you begin to, you begin to bear your soul before the Lord, as heavy and as burdened as you are, as, 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 as difficult as the task may seem to you for God to accomplish, it, it, God's really up there in heaven saying, is that all you need? Is that all you want? Is that all you think I'm capable of doing? Is that all that you're going to ask for? Because Ephesians tells us that God is able to do exceeding abundant beyond what you think he's able to do or even willing to ask for him to do. God can do more than you will ask him to do in prayer. God can accomplish more than you think he's capable of doing, but he'll only do it through prayer. We don't have because we don't ask. We don't see the power of God because we don't put ourselves into a position to receive the power of God in our lives. If you want something to happen in your life, you've got to make connection with God and pray. 
But the three things that prayer accomplishes, sometimes prayer accomplishes the miraculous. Sometimes it accomplishes the very impossible, things that, that baffle the mind, things that you just can't figure out, things that you know that only God and God alone could have made these things happen in our life. Sometimes prayer will move a mountain that every single thing you've tried on your own can't budge. When you try to work on it on your own, you, you grumble at it, you complain at it, you get the pastor to move on it. You get somebody else to to pour a bunch of oil over it. It seems to get bigger instead of smaller. But I want you to know that if you would put yourself into the position of prayer and call on the power of heaven, the mightiest mountains that stand in your way can be moved through the power of prayer because prayer, amen, accomplishes much. You might not think it has accomplished a lot in your life, but I'm telling you the word of God says that it can accomplish much. I want you to know that sometimes prayer can remove sickness from a body that has been plagued for years. Sometimes the power of God through prayer can remove and shrivel up uh, this thing called cancer. Sometimes it can dissolve a brain tumor. Sometimes it can cause the blood sugar in someone's body to come perfectly into order. Sometimes it will open up blind eyes. Sometimes it'll cause the lame to walk and dance. Sometimes it'll cause the, the, the deaf to hear and the mute to talk. Because sometimes prayer accomplishes miraculous and impossible things. Sometimes prayer can take five loaves and two fishes that were meant for one little boy and multiply them to feed 5,000 men and mama and children. Sometimes prayer can take one little tablespoon of oil and a little cup of meal that was meant for one last meal for a couple to eat before they died and multiply it to last an entire season because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Listen to me. If you need a miracle in your life, you got to connect to God and pray. Amen. If you need God's sustenance to get you through a drought, if you need food on your table, if you need the multiplication power of God to be made manifest in your life, it comes through one avenue, and that is the avenue of prayer. This is why Paul says to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Because the discipline of prayer will allow you to experience the power of God that you've never, ever experienced before in your life. I know my sister can testify. I can testify. Brother Willie can testify. There's a bunch of you in here that have experienced the miraculous power of God in your life. And it's accomplished through prayer. Sometimes prayer accomplishes not the miraculous. We'll take it down a simple notch and understand I'm going backwards for a reason. Sometimes prayer accomplishes the extraordinary. The things that say, wow. The things that cause you to think, yeah, wow. That, that had to be God. It might not be miraculous, but it's extraordinary. 
Sometimes it will provide you with that one job that 10,000 people have applied for. Sometimes it will allow you to find the favor that a hundred other people are looking for. Sometimes the extraordinary power of God will get you a hundred miles on one gallon of gas. Sometimes when your car is on empty, the, the extraordinary power of God will get you home when the, when the gas thing is ding, 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 ding. And you know it dings at 50 miles and for some reason you're gone 75. Because the, the, the power of prayer does some extraordinary things in your life. Sometimes it'll give you peace in the midst of the storm. And someone will look at you. They know what you're going through. you got cancer in your body. Your son has walked away. Your daughter's walked away. You've lost your house. you got all sorts of things falling apart in your life. But the extraordinary power of prayer will cause people to look at you and say, Why has they got peace? Why they got that, that peace? I don't understand it. Why? Because... Jesus said, I'll give you a peace that this world can't give. I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding that this world can't figure out and they can't comprehend. They just know that when they look at the righteous one that has prayed, something extraordinary will happen in our life. I don't know about you, but I want my life to, to exhibit some extraordinary move of God. I want it to, I want it to, uh, I want it to reflect the miraculous power of God. I want it to reflect the extraordinary power of God. But even more importantly, I'm going to get to it in a second. But you and I need to understand that sometimes prayer can stop the rain like it did with Elijah and then start it up again three and a half years later. That's the power of prayer, church, because prayer accomplishes much. Because Second Chronicles tells us in chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, that if I were to shut up the heavens to where there'd be no rain, if I was to send a pestilence upon my people and a plague upon the land, or the other way around, a plague upon my people and a pestilence upon my land, if there would be no movement from the heavens, he was saying, if there was a drought like there was in the days of Elijah, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and do what? Not grumble, not complain, not freer, not fret, not get all an attitude. But if my people who call themselves a Christian, who call themselves sons and daughters of the Most High God, would humble themselves and pray, what's going to happen? I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land because listen when you put yourself in a position of prayer you put yourself in a position of power where God can do something great in your life amen bless the Lord for that here's what I want you to understand that <clears throat> what he was saying <clears throat> thank you brother Willie if my people who are called by my name would confess their, says humble themselves. Remember I talked about humbleness last week. If my people, and with that understanding, this is what I'm going to say now. If my people who are called by my name would confess their weakness and their wickedness. 
If my people who are called by my name would bend their knee and confess their need for me to intervene in their life and not try to do it all on their own. If my people who are called by my name would find a place of prayer. If they would humble themselves and cry out and say, I need you, God. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my weakness. Forgive me for leaning on my own understanding and doing everything in my own strength. If they would humble themselves and pray. And not think that they could go through life all on their own. Do it all on their own. You see, listen to me. That's the problem with our society today. We think if we got a big enough bank account, we think if Wall Street's up in the tens of thousands instead of down in the 3,000, we think if, you understand what I'm saying? We think if the interest rates are just right. We think if the corporate CEOs would just give us a little bit of bit, if we could get a bigger bailout check or a bigger tax discount, then we think everything would be okay. But listen to me. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and do one thing, he said, humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear from heaven. You see, here again, I'm telling you, it's not until we humble ourselves that God can hear us. What he's saying is, if you're not humble, I can't hear you. I can't hear you, sister. I can't hear you, brother. There's something standing in the way, and it's called pride, and it's keeping you from the power of God to be released in your life. So humble yourself. Confess your weakness and your wickedness. Admit to me that you are nothing without me. Admit to me that you need me more than you need the very breath that you breathe. And watch the power of heaven be released in your life. Humble yourself. And I will meet your need. Humble yourself. And you can receive the very thing you don't deserve. Ooh, I don't know, man, but that just, it blesses me when you think about that. If I would just humble myself and pray, I could receive the very thing I don't deserve. The very thing I don't deserve. And God, yet yet God has made a way for me to receive it. And we would be silly not to accept it. We would be silly not to make use of that way and that route God has given us to experience the power of God in our lives. I'm only on page two and I already see I'm running out of time. Prayer is a place where the miraculous takes place, where the extraordinary takes place, where God is able to do beyond what we ask or think that he's capable of doing. But here's the one that I really want you to understand, because this is where most of us will always be in our life. More times than anything, prayer is simply the spiritual discipline and tool we use in order to find help in our very time of need. Prayer accomplishes the simple everyday, day-to-day tasks that we cannot seem to do on our own. It may not be a miracle. It may not be something super extraordinary. But you and I need to realize that we need God more every day than we need Him to do a miracle. Than we need Him to do the super extraordinary. Because the reality is, church, we need Him to make it through every single day. We need him to put a smile on our face. We need him to, 
We need them to get us through the politics and the hassles of the workplace. We need them to, to make sure that our paycheck doesn't bounce or that we even get a paycheck come Friday. We need them, church, to wake us up in the morning, to keep us awake during the day and to put us to sleep at night. We need them to watch over us while we're on the road. We need them to watch over us as we rise up, as we lie down, and as we go along our way, the Bible says. We need him, church, to give us patience with our kids and to give us love for our spouses. We need him in every single area of our life. We need him. To live and move and breathe and have our very being. What that means is that we need them just to exist. We need them every single day just to walk across this stage. Listen, I need the power of God in my life. Just for you to sit there and listen and receive and understand the words that are coming at you this evening. You need God even to do that. We, we think it's just, well, that's just natural. God created us to do that. It's just natural. Yeah, God created you, but we need God. We need God to receive. We need God to talk. We need God to, we need God in the every single day to day things that we go through. We need God for the everyday struggles of life. And we need that more than we need the miracles from time to time. Listen, I'm not saying that we don't need miracles because every one of us will need a miracle in our life. I'm not saying that we won't need God to do the extraordinary things in our life. But what I'm saying is that when it comes to prayer, God wants to hear from you more than when you need a miracle. God wants to hear from you uh, more than when you need this extraordinary thing to happen in your life. He He wants to hear from you before you, you find yourself in this desperate situation. You see, the reality is God wants to hear from you you when you're well, not just when you're lying in a hospital bed. God wants to hear from you and connect with you and fellowship with you and walk along life's way while you've got a lot of money in the bank, while the job is going good, while you're driving a nice car and wearing nice clothes. He wants to hear from you when things are going good, not just when all of a sudden the bank account's empty and you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. You see, that's why Paul said that we are to pray at all times and on all occasions, when it's good and when it's bad, when it's sunny and when it's dark, when we're healthy and when we're sick. God wants to hear from us, church. He wants to hear from you when the marriage is going great and not just when the marriage is falling apart. So often when it comes to counseling, and listen to me, I'm not condemning anybody here, but one of the very first things that I ask when someone comes in for counseling about marriage or about their family situation, when's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you had a Bible study with your kids? When's the last time you invited God into the situation? And they sit there dumbfounded. Let me think. And, and it might be a month. It might be a year. Some have never prayed at all. And I'm not joking. I'm not telling you a lie. I'm telling you the truth. We are suffering because we do not pray. We're suffering because we do not pray. Because we do not put ourselves in that position of power. God wants to hear from us. Be a part of every single uh, part of our life. He doesn't want to just, you know, he doesn't want to just be the, the guy in the ambulance. He doesn't want to be the EMC guy that just shows up when everything's about to crash in. He wants to be part of every moment of your life. And the best way to make him part of that life is to devote yourself to prayer. And to pray continually all throughout the day to make yourself available to God. We especially need God 
start bringing this to a close in a second. But we especially need God to win this spiritual war that I was talking about that is waging in our lives. I don't know about you, but I want to win, church. I want my marriage to win. I want my money to win. I want my ministry to win. I want my wife to win. I want my kids to win. I want everything that I lay my hands to do to win. I want to win this spiritual battle. And the Holy Spirit is telling me and the Holy Spirit is telling you that if you want to be a spiritual winner, you got to pray. You got to pray. I can't expect to win in my life if I don't pray. I can't expect my kids to be victorious if I don't pray over them. I can't expect my marriage to be victorious if I don't pray over it. I can't expect my business and my finances to be successful and prosperous if I don't pray over it. If I don't connect, here's what I'm saying. Look, when we come into the presence of God, we are to bring every area of our life into the presence of God so that every area of our life can experience the power of God. So when you come into prayer, when you come into that prayer closet, you need to be willing to offer up your work life to the Lord so that the power of God can touch your work life. You need to be willing to lift your marriage up before the Lord so that the power of God can touch your marriage. Everything that you leave out of the prayer closet, you make it difficult for God to touch. Every area that you leave out of the prayer closet, it it will turn into a struggle into your life when all God is saying is, look, if you've got financial struggle, bring it into the prayer closet. Bring it into the prayer closet. Confess your sins. Confess your weaknesses. Confess the things that you need to confess. Confess that you need me in your finances. And guess who's going to show up in your finances? God. And God won't show up alone. He'll show up with his power. He'll show up with his promise. And he'll show up with his provision. And all of them will be made manifest in your life. I'm going to close with this. When Paul talks to us, here's what I want you to understand. I'm telling you that that prayer, church connects us to the power of God. Prayer puts us into a position of power. It's the hotline, if you want to call it to heaven. I used to watch the old-fashioned Batman, you know, the old one with Burt Ward, and that hotline that was connected to Gotham City and to the sheriff, and it's the same way. Prayer connects you. Prayer is an automatic hotline to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we need to take advantage of it, especially because we are in a war and we're in a battle. And here's what I want you to understand. When Paul talks to us about the full armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, he's making a reference to a war that is going on. Why would anybody put on armor? Why would God ask any of us to put on armor if we weren't about to step out onto a battlefield? Why would God tell us to put on the breastplate of righteousness? Why would he tell us to put on the helmet of salvation? Why would he tell us to put on the belt? Why would he tell us to put on the shoes? Why would he tell us to take up a shield and and pick up the sword if, if we weren't about to go out to battle? He wouldn't. So what you and I need to understand concerning prayer, when Paul talks to us in Ephesians chapter 6 about all of these things that I talked about, he's, he's referring to this war that is raging in our life, and he's referring to you and I as soldiers in the army of Christ. And here's what I, I bring all that up, because I want you to understand that what he's referring to is the divine weapons of our warfare that are needed to win the war that we're about to face. These are the weapons of warfare that will allow us to come out victorious. But this is the main thing that I want you to see. As he closes out this letter 
to the Ephesian church, to the Ephesian Christians, to those who call themselves soldiers of the Lord, when, after he lists all of the, the instruments that we're to put on, after he talks all about the armament, he ends this letter by saying, above everything else, I want you to put on prayer. You read it for yourself and you'll get the understanding above all of these things, he says, before you step out onto the battlefield, you might have put on every piece of armament. You might have the shield of faith and you might have the sword of the spirit. You might think you're all ready for battle. But before you dare step out onto that battlefield, before you lift up that sword, before you take one step, before you try to face that enemy, you better put on prayer. You better cover yourself in prayer, Paul said. I want you, this is what he says. He said, I want you to pray on all occasions and for all di- in all different manners. And then he says, I want you to pray for your brothers and sisters in the Lord as well. You see, the reality is, if you're not praying, you can't call yourself a soldier. If I'm not praying, I can't call myself a soldier. If I'm not praying, I'm not fighting. If you're not praying, you're not fighting. If I'm not praying, I'm letting someone down. If you're not praying... You're letting someone down. You see, because you and I are fighting this battle together. You and I are, are, are Christians, uh, Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. We've all been called to the same battle. We're all fighting the same fight. And we are to pray one for another. And when we're not praying, we're letting down our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Prayer brings victory into our lives. It is the single, amen, it is the single most spiritual discipline that is used to bring the power of God into our lives. I'm going to close with this. Go ahead and put on the music. I'll finish up next week. But prayer, prayer puts us into the strategy room. If you can't figure out life, if you can't figure out heads from tails, if you can't figure out how to make it through this battle that you're facing, prayer, church, puts you right into the middle of the strategy room. Prayer puts you into that spiritual or heavenly oval office. Prayer puts you into the war room of faith where you can receive, church, listen to me, a winning strategy. Prayer allows you to talk to the commander-in-chief who knows more about this battle than you do. He can see what you can't see. He knows what you don't know. He understands what you don't understand. And if you are to abandon prayer, if you are to overlook prayer, if you are to devalue the importance of prayer in your life, it is to fight this spiritual battle on your own. And that's only going to get you so far, church. If you don't think you have to connect to the commander-in-chief, if you don't think that you have to connect to the creator of the universe in order to win this spiritual war that we're going through, you're fooling yourself. And I'm fooling myself because the only way that we can win is to put ourselves into that position of prayer because somewhere in your life, your strength won't be enough. Somewhere... At some point, your wisdom won't be enough to figure it out. Your money won't be enough to buy you out. You're not going to be able to pay off this kind of enemy. You can't bribe this kind of enemy. You can't slip a little something-something to this kind of enemy. Because he's got one goal in mind, and that's to rip your soul apart. Rip your family apart. Rip your children apart. Rip your life apart. 
And he don't care how much money you offer him. All he wants is to rip your life apart. And the only way we can win this war, church, is through the spiritual discipline of prayer. I'm going to talk to you a little bit next week about Joshua or Elijah, the one who prayed uh, for the rain to stop and then prayed again for it to start up again. Here's how I'm going to end it. Elijah only had to pray one time for the rain to stop. One time for the rain to stop. But he had to pray seven times for it to start up again. And sometimes we give up way too soon. Sometimes when it comes to prayer, we want to pray one time and expect God to move. We expect the same miraculous power. Every time we go to prayer, sometimes you'll pray one time and the heavens will move on your behalf. Sometimes you'll pray one time and you'll feel a whole hall of heaven come marching beside of you to move hell out of your way. Sometimes you'll pray one time and you'll feel God right behind you. You'll feel God lift you up. You'll feel the power of God all over you. You'll pray one time and you think you can go slay, uh, slay the greatest giant out there. But I'm telling you, sometimes you got to pray seven times. Sometimes you got to persist. Sometimes you got to keep on going, keep on praying. Sometimes we got to pray more than once. Got to knock more than once. Got to seek more than once. Got to ask more than once. Sometimes we've got to pray more than one time to win the battle. Sometimes we've got to march around the wall more than one time. You all know that story. So here's how I want to encourage you tonight. Don't think God doesn't care when he doesn't answer your first prayer. Don't think God doesn't care when he doesn't answer your second or third when it seems like I've been praying for this for years. Because in the middle of that prayer time, God is just trying to do something incredible in your life. And sooner or later, if you do not grow weary in well-doing, you're going to reap the harvest that God has for you. Amen. If you just don't give up, the Bible says. So if you're, if you're willing to be like Elijah tonight and say, God, if it takes me one prayer or if it takes me 1,000, I'm going to dedicate myself to the discipline of prayer. If that's you, I want you to stand with me and we're going to pray and ask God to strengthen us in this area of prayer. We'll continue next week because there's some other good stuff that I didn't get to get to. But that's what I want to encourage you tonight. If you need the power of God to accomplish one of three things, if you need him to accomplish the miraculous in your life, if you need him to accomplish the extraordinary in your life, or you just simply need God to help you in this simple little need that's been nagging you all week long, the power of prayer can make it happen. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. I thank you most of all that you are not a man that you should lie. You're not the son of man that you should change your mind. I thank you that when you speak, you act. When you promise, you fulfill. And I thank you, Father God, that when you tell us that if we would put ourselves in a position of prayer that we could receive the power of heaven into our lives, I thank you that you won't disappoint us. I know, God, that it won't always happen on the first prayer or the second prayer. I know it might not happen the first week or second week, and sometimes it might not happen the first month. But I thank you, Father God, that your word tells me 
that if we would not grow weary in well-doing, that we would reap the answer to our prayers, we would reap a harvest, we would reap the blessings and the promises and the provisions of God in our life if we just wouldn't give up. So I pray, Father God, that you would strengthen us in this area of, of prayer in our lives. God, if we've been lax in this area, I ask that you would forgive us. I'll be the first to confess, Father God, my weakness and my wickedness. I'd be the first here, God, to say that I can't do this on my own. I need you to help me preach. I need you to help me live. I need, I need you, Father God, in my marriage. I need you in my family. I need you, I need you to be the proper father and to be the proper husband. I need you, Father God, to be the proper priest of my house and, the, and, and a pastor in this church. I need you to be a proper friend. I need you to be a proper, uh, 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 a proper individual, Father God, that is a reflection of your son, Jesus Christ. So help us to discipline ourselves, God, for the purpose of godliness. And I pray that you would help us, especially in this area of prayer, that we would be able to put ourselves in a position of prayer so that we could receive the power of heaven in our lives. Thank you for your word. Let it find a place in our heart. Let us consecrate ourselves to it, commit ourselves to it, not let anything get in the way of prayer. Let us make no excuses, Father God. And let us uh, uh, make no exceptions. Let us devote ourselves to prayer and to pray at all times so that we might win the battle that we're all in. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord, church? Thank Him.